Good morning, church. Happy Easter. What a awesome morning of worship. Would you agree? Amazing. And what a powerful, powerful testimony of faith in Christ. And uh, Terry doesn't know this, but uh, my next sermon series is called Seven, and I'm teaching through the seven churches of Revelation. So if I could get your notes, that would be super helpful. What a powerful song. I love that song. Um, I want to go back to it for just a, just a couple of minutes, and I want to I share some of the lyrics again, because I really want us to, to think deeply about the words that we were just singing. There's peace that outlasts darkness, hope that's in the blood. There's future grace that's mine today that Jesus Christ has won. So I can face tomorrow, for tomorrow's in your hands. All I need you will provide, just like you always have. So I'm gonna say this phrase, I'm fighting a battle, and then you'll say that you've already won. But you gotta do it louder than that, okay? I'm fighting a battle. Good. I know how the story ends. We will be with you again. You're my savior, my defense. No more fear in life or death. I know how the story ends. I'm fighting a battle. That's a question of motivation. Anthony and I spent time talking about this song. It's a question of motivation. Why would we have to fight if the battle has already been won? The battle we fight, friends, is not to win, but because he's already won. That's why we fight. We don't fight to gain victory. We fight because we have victory in Christ. It's not so I can, it's because you already have. Well, what battle has Christ already won? He's won the battle of sin. He's won the, the battle of death. His victory over sin offers a spiritual life here and now on this earth and his victory over death offers eternal life. On Good Friday, we are reminded of the cross and the unthinkable sacrifice, the unthinkable substitution because he took our place. But today, Easter Sunday, we're reminded of his victory over death. He says in John eleven twenty five. 25, listen to these words. Jesus says this, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. Because Jesus defeated sin and death, we can have life now and forever. Certainly, without the death of Christ, there is no salvation, but then neither is there any salvation without the resurrection. His resurrection, no less than his death, is a part of the gospel. 1 Corinthians 15, three and four says this. For what I have received, I pass on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. What would it mean if, if Jesus was crucified, but, but he was just a good man and he's still dead in the grave? What would that mean for us? A dead Jesus achieves nothing. First Corinthians 15, 17 says this, and if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. 
you are still in your sins. I want you to let that sink in for just a second. If Christ has not been raised, you're still in your sin. Futile meaning useless. Without the resurrection, your faith is absolutely useless. It's make-believe. It's a waste of time. It counts for nothing. It's wishful thinking. Without the resurrection of Christ, we are still guilty of our sin. Without the resurrection, Easter is just about a bunny. We are still slaves to sin without the resurrection. Without the resurrection, the wages of sin will be paid by each one of us. Without the resurrection, the finality of our death is eternity apart from God. Without the resurrection, we have no hope. This life is all there is. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is huge. It is the one event that all of our beliefs as followers of Christ rest on. It was the message announced to some astonished women outside of the rock tomb in the first century Jerusalem. And it reads this, why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here, he's risen. Without faith in the resurrection, friends, there'd be no Christianity. If you've been attending Bethel for any length of time, you know that we love to celebrate uh, believer's baptism on Easter Sunday morning. What is believer's baptism and why do we celebrate it so much? What does baptism and Easter have in common? Maybe it's a good question. Well, I would say uh, to that question, absolutely everything. The better question is what doesn't baptism and Easter have in common? Baptism has meaning and importance only because of the death and the resurrection of Jesus. I wanna share with you just quickly for the next few minutes, um, just a couple of reasons why we do baptism. One, because it was ordained by Jesus. On Friday, if you were here at the Good Friday service, I talked all about communion. And the reason, one of the reasons we do communion is because Jesus said to. Same with baptism. He commanded it, he ordained it. Matthew 28, 19 and 20 says this, go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. So baptism, friends, is a command. It's an ordinance of the Lord Jesus to be performed in making disciples until Christ's return at the end of the age. Why else do we do baptism? Why else do we celebrate baptism? Because of union with Christ. It expresses union with Christ in his death and in his resurrection. In the book of Romans, faith is the means by which we have been made right and united with Christ. So we show this faith, we speak this faith, we signify this faith, we symbolize this faith through baptism. Faith unites to Christ. Baptism symbolizes that union. When a person uh, gets married, it isn't their rings that make them married, right? When you exchange rings, they're like, oh, now we're married. It's the vows that they make to one another and before God that makes them married. It's the marriage license that gets signed after the ceremony. So the rings, all they are is they're symbols that point back to the vows and the marriage license to say we're married. It's a symbol. With baptism, Faith is what saves us, and baptism 
is the symbol of faith that points back to the faith that we have in Christ. In baptism, we're united to Christ in his death, burial, and resurrection. Third, immersed in water. Why do we do, why do we have water? Why do we do a baptismal tank? We believe this expression of this union with Christ in his death and his resurrection happens by being immersed in water. The clearest evidence for baptism by immersion is in Romans 6, 3, and 4. Listen to this. Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Buried under water and then out of the water signifies rising from the grave to new life. The word baptism literally means to dip or immerse. Why else? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Baptism is done in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So you may not be able to hear it clearly, but when we do baptisms here in a second, there'll be a pastor in the tank and and right when they're getting ready to dunk them, he'll say, I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Matthew 28, 19. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. Again, it's another command. But listen to this. Our salvation originates in the Father. Ephesians reminds us that the Father has chosen us before the foundation of the world, that the Father is the one who adopts us as his sons and daughters. So that's the Father's role. He draws us. Our salvation is only possible because of the work of Christ, his work on the cross, his shed blood that covers our sin. The Holy Spirit changes us from inside out or regenerates us, makes us new. There is no salvation without the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And baptism acknowledges their accomplishment and work in salvation. The last one is this, expression of faith. So we're talking about baptism. Baptism is an expression of faith of the one being baptized. It's an announcement. It's like if they were screaming to all of you, I want you to know that I'm a follower of Christ. It's that kind of announcement. Ask yourself this. Have I placed my faith in Christ alone to save me? Have I placed my faith in Christ alone to save me? If you are not sure about that, and you're not even sure what I'm talking about, or you have questions, someone else has already said it, please, come talk to me. I'm gonna stay down here after the service, or grab another pastor or an elder. Elders have a little name tag. Just grab somebody, don't leave here today without talking to somebody and say, I've gotta understand this more because scripture makes it abundantly clear. You ready to celebrate? So, just as a reminder, if you have never been here, we get pretty excited about baptism. We're gonna do 23 baptisms here in just a second. Next service, we have 10 baptisms. So here's what we do. When they come down into the tank, you can watch on screen, or if you can see clearly, just, just look over here. Remember, this is, they're, they're identifying with Christ, death, burial, and resurrection, right? And, and they're proclaiming to you, I'm a follower of Christ. And so they're pretty excited about this. They might be a little bit nervous, but they're pretty, they're, they're pretty excited about this. 
So here's what we do to help them. While we're singing and we're worshiping and there's music happening, when somebody is baptized, they go under the water, right? And then when they come out of the water, we get pretty excited around here. So let's practice it, okay? You guys ready? I'll just pretend. I'm not gonna grab somebody out of the audience and, and, and dunk them, but I'm just gonna pretend like if I was doing the baptism, I'd go under the water and then I'd come out. There we go. 